Hey everyone, I am Reva and just want to take a moment and thank you for listening to our studio podcast. Although we are here in Greenville, South Carolina, we are grateful for your support to see the message of Jesus go out all over the world. In case you are not aware, we have a YouTube channel, which you can find the link in our podcast bio. We hope you enjoy this week's talk and it encourages you and it helps you to be the human God designed you to be. So with that, let's get right to it. Well, happy Father's Day. I'm, I'm looking forward to, to sharing today. Um, for me, being a dad is one of my greatest privileges in life. I remember, you know, I grew up in a family where being a dad or being a parent was something you aspired to. In fact, most of my cousins and siblings got married before the age of 21. So the idea of getting married and having kids was just kind of, that's what you do. You serve God and you reproduce. I mean, that's just what you do. <laughs> And on our honeymoon with Candace, we, on the, I don't know, the first night or second night, I said, hey, I just want you to know I'm ready to have kids whenever you are. <laughs> She's like, whoa, whoa. My, I know, what, I'm just letting you know, I'm ready. I am now ready. And she was thinking five years, we met in the middle at two and a half. And so... But the reason I shared that for obviously comical reasons, but also just the whole idea of being a father for me is something that I've, I've dreamt of being and it's something I wanted to be. I consider it one of my chief joys in life and having two adult children, one just got married. This is my first father's day of having a son. So I don't know what to do. Um, so I'm like, uh, what do I do here? I don't know. It's a whole new, I don't know yet. We'll find out. He's out of town, so I can't quite celebrate with them, but I have three kids now in my family, and that is just so cool to say. So I guess I could stand on three kids now, maybe? Yeah, okay, all right. So for me, it's, it's, a, it's a chief joy in life. It's a privilege, an incredible responsibility, and there's nothing that's been ever more challenging than being a dad. And there's the beauty in that, the thing that often costs the most or the hardest thing to do in life are often the one it's the most satisfactory that brings the most satisfaction and the most rewarding things in life. And my prayer today, and not just today, but that this culture somehow encourages the idea of fatherhood and manhood, especially in today's climate, that this is not something we don't talk about, this is something we actually talk about. So I'm really, I'm looking forward to sharing this. And my prayer that there's a really strong layer in our culture that has to do with fatherhood. There's a the beauty in community, but there are dimensions to community that you can only get there when fathers step up. I love community, as you can tell, something Candace and I and the team and you guys are obviously passionate about, along a lot of other things we're passionate about, but community can only go so far as its ability to embrace fathers. And my prayer is that this community, that the culture that you and I are creating, that we're emulating, that we're assimilating and, and synthesizing in our life is one where we embrace the idea of fathers in our life. Because we live in a world right now where we have people that have presence of fathers, but there is a lack of fatherhood. And I realize today is an interesting day for so many people. I know for some of us, me just saying, Father, your mind is drifting off. It, there's a trigger reaction in your soul, and it, it's a bitter taste. And you're like, Father's Day, Smother's Day. I mean, you're just like, no thanks. 
So I recognize that, that everyone had a different experience with the Father, whether it's biological or some other figure in your life. And for some of you, the greatest pain you've ever had to experience or endure came from a Father. So I recognize that our stories are all different in this room. I also recognize that some of you have lost your Father. So there's this void, there's this spot in your life, like what do I do with this empty spot? And then there are others in this room, it's like the best day ever. So I recognize in this room that everyone has different experiences with the idea of a father and experiences with actual fathers. And my prayer today is that I'd be able to draw all of our attention to the creator of the universe, to our father. The one that Deja so eloquently put at the beginning of the gathering. He is our father. And that's the privilege we have of, of following Jesus is no matter our earthly experience, how amazing, how tragic, or how painful it is, guess what? God wants to be our father. Yes, he wants to move towards you. And so today we're going we're gonna to talk a little bit about this. Someone asked me years ago and said, Eric, if there's one problem you could solve, what would it be? Instantly I said fatherlessness. And they said, so it's not like homelessness, it's not food, it's not hunger problem, it's not the water crisis. And I said, those are all very admirable things to solve. There's no question there. So without diminishing that, but I had this deep conviction that if fatherlessness can be addressed, it actually solves a lot of societal issues. It actually moves the needle in a direction that I believe society and humanity longs for. So I believe this is a topic that if we spend time on, if we talk about it, and because fathers, it actually is relevant to all of us in this room. The concept of, of being a man or being a father in recent years had been quite attacked. So much so that manhood, our response to this attack on manhood or being fathered, our, our response had been, you chop wood. You grow a beard, and you trudge around the woods, and you fix cars, and you get dirty. That's our response to try to define what it means to be a man. And now there are elements of truth to that, but I have to tell you that falls short greatly to what it actually means to be a man. Without diminishing that, I think those things are great. But if we reduce what it means to be a man or be a father to those categories, we're missing out on the design of what it means to be a man and what it means to be a father. Because I have lots of guy friends that could care less about splitting wood. And their beard sounds horrible to them. They have no interest in touching a tool in their life, but they're some of the greatest men and greatest fathers around. So I wanna call all of us to a higher level of what it means to be a man and what it means to be a father. Now, if that's your jam, I'm gonna celebrate you. I love that, I love those expressions, but let's expand what it means to be a man and what it means to be a father. So because of this narrative that we have wrapped around men, we're sometimes this narrative of men are tough. You know, they suck it up. You know, they put their boots on and they just get stuff done. And we've got this interesting narrative in, in culture, and I think one of the dilemmas that we've created is, is now men are afraid to ask for help when they need help. We just are tough. We just, we just need to be men that are tough, and 
We don't ask for help. And it's this interesting dilemma because what we're doing, we're teaching a generation of men to not feel and to not actually experience the way God designed you to experience life. So we've got a dilemma here, and I, I want to expose all this. I kind of want to bring it to the surface. And, and, and I want to, this idea that we don't need help is something that's actually destroying what it means to be a father and to be a man. And so we've got this idea, like, I don't need help. I don't need, I can suck it up. I'm just going to do it on my own. And there's some, there's some beauty in that, but you'll fall short of what you actually aspire and long to be. To the degree you are submitted to God, to the degree of greatness you can be. One of the temptations of our time is thinking that we can be a great man and a great father without the creator of the universe who is known as the father shaping us and building us. John Tyson said this this last week, secularism disciples a man to learn to live without God. Let me say that again. Secularism disciples a man to learn to live without God. So today I want to talk to boys. I want to talk to young men. And I want to talk to men today. There's two questions that are going to guide our conversation today. And I want to encourage you if I say this every week, but, and I mean it every week, if you're not a note taker, today is a great day to become one. The first question I want to ask you today is, who is building your foundation? Who is actually building your foundation as a father and as a man? We know in the natural, you have a building, we're in a building right now, the foundation that we, our feet are standing upon, this concrete slab was engineered in such a way to be able to withhold the structure that sits on top of it. In fact, if they ever wanted to add a second story to this building, they would have to do an analysis and some research and some re-engineering on the foundation that this building holds because most likely this building was not structured or thought about to add to, to the height of it. It can't handle much more weight. In fact, if we take any of these posts out, we're gonna run into issues. So the foundation is one of the most crucial parts of any building. And I want to propose to you as men, as fathers, your foundation is so crucial. It's the thing you don't see. It's the least sexiest thing in your life. It's so boring. It's so bland. And we pay no attention to it. And today I want to call men forward to give attention to the foundation in your life. Who is building your foundation? Because if you're not intentional about this foundation, the world you live in will shape it and form it. So men, I want to call you to a higher standard today. Don't listen to the standard of this world or what it means to be a man. Go straight to the heart of God to understand what it means to be a man and a father. So who is building your foundation? In Ephesians chapter 2, if you want to Look it up quickly in verse 20 and 22. We're going to read a beautiful passage of scripture. Ephesians, in case you're not aware, is one of the most profound books in all of scripture. Most scholars will call it it's the Alps of the New Testament. It is one of the most beautiful letters Paul ever wrote. So much encouragement, but it also gives a picture of what a healthy, beautiful, thriving church looks like. So in this chapter 2 and verse 20, it said, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. 
In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you two are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. It's a beautiful imagery. I believe when Paul wrote this, I think he looked up and said to himself, this is awesome. He said, I've got an analogy that will help to translate not just in this era, but today it still resonates as true. That when Jesus is the chief cornerstone, now some of these building practices aren't used as much today, especially in, in more developed countries, but the idea of a chief cornerstone was a specific stone that was put into the ground. In fact, sometimes you would never see the stone, it was so hidden. But how that so stone was set would determine where the walls went. We would determine if the walls were gonna be square or gonna be leaning. So that cornerstone was crucial. And so when you put that cornerstone in the ground, it what determined the success of the structure. So in the same light, in the same way, once you think of Jesus is that cornerstone in your life, that when Jesus did actually had the very foundation of who you are as a man and as a father, who is shaping you, informing you, then all of a sudden the structure, your lives, begin to be built off the only stone that's immovable, that's unshakable, and it's without blemish. So men, today, I want to challenge you, who is building your foundation? We will look more like the world around us instead of the God created us if we don't intentionally choose to Jesus to shape us. You know, if we read the Bible from beginning to end, there, there are several places in Scripture where you can read about these cities, these cultures, these societies that were godless. God was not evident. God was not there. God was not worshipped. It was a pagan society. It was a society that was void of worshipping Yahweh. And one of those cities is called Babylon. One of those cultures is called Babylon. In fact, Babylon is a word that is now a metaphor for sin. Babylon was considered by some scholars as one of the most wicked cities in all of Scripture. And deep within this culture of Babylon, there's a man named Daniel. He wasn't just deep within the culture, he was in the government. He was a ranking government official in this culture. When he was a young boy, he was forced to learn a language, forced to learn a culture, and first to learn the ways of pagans. So here we have this man who is the child of God and, and our language would be the follower of Jesus, the follower of Yahweh. And somehow he gets into this deep, godless society. And there's this moment in Daniel chapter 6, starting in verse 10 and leading up to this. Daniel had been in the empire for multiple decades by now. And some of you are familiar with the story. It's a fascinating story, the book of Daniel. I would encourage you to read Daniel chapter 1 to at least chapter 7. And in this moment, the king was asked to make a decree that everyone in this city, in this culture, would worship you. And the king thought that would be a great idea. This gives you an idea of how the culture functioned. That I'm going to set up the entire economy, the entire industrial part of this country, the entire affection of a country is going to worship me as king. So he writes it into a law. And what's ha beautiful that happened in Daniel chapter 6, verse 10, you come across this verse that says, Now when Daniel learned that the decree had been published, he went home. 
to his upstairs room and the windows open toward Jerusalem. And because of his rank in government, he had a prestigious home in the heart of a city. In other words, this isn't in some countryside where no one can see him. He is in the middle of it all. He flung his windows open toward Jerusalem and three times a day, he got down on his knees and prayed, giving thanks to his God just as he had done before. Now we learn later on, Daniel gets in trouble for this and ends up in Daniel and the lion den, the famous story. And today I'm not gonna go into that, but there's an invitation today for men. There's an invitation today for fathers. In the face of culture, who is building your foundation? Is it the world around you? Is it the Instagram follower that you've chosen to follow? Is it the latest motivational speaker? Is it a pastor? Is it some other human being? And those are all fine, but those cannot be your main source of who's shaping you and forming you. It has to be your utter surrender to go to your knees in your life and as an act of surrender, throw your hands up and say, God, I cannot do this without you. I can't be a man without you. I can't be a dad without you. It's this surrender. What I love about in worship when we raise our hands, it isn't just some cool thing to do. When you put your hand in the air, it's an act of saying, I surrender. I've got nothing else and this is it. And we got too many guys that aren't going to their knees anymore. They're trying to figure out, how do I do this on my own? Because I don't want to ask for help. I got to show people I've got what it takes. That's how the world teaches you to think. But a man that chooses to follow God is willing to go to his knees. In the face of a culture that is threatening him and his position in family and his position in society as a man and as a father. And this is what men do that love God. They go to their knees. They go to their faces and they cry out to God. I know the dad, there are times with our kids that are like, I have no idea what to do. There are moments in dad, it's terrifying. Because you want to control everything. You want to just like, you know, put them in a room and lock them there. It's in those moments like, I actually don't have any clue what to do. All the ideas, none of them are working. It's amazing what you do in those moments. Say, God, I need you now. I need you to shape me and form me so I carry your heart in this situation. I want to see my kids the way you see them. I want to see studio the way that you see them. And this is my prayer, that I never stop going to my knees. So it's an invitation today, men and fathers. It's an invitation to go to your knees and let God shape you and form you. The greatest gift a father can give is his presence. The greatest gift that you can give to the dad is his presence. And one of the smartest things that you and I can do as men and as fathers is when God's in the room, is to sit at his feet. It's one of the smartest, most intelligent things we can do. The second question I want to ask the men in this room, is your inner world designed for greatness? Let me ask this again. Men, fathers, is your inner world actually designed for greatness? 
In Proverbs 25, verse 28, it says that whoever has no rule over his own spirit is like a city broken down without walls. You see, the material of your inner world is, is your emotions. It's how you experience the world you live in. And unless you're really good at numbing it, oppressing it, or suppressing it, all of us can sit here and say, this is how I feel when I'm experiencing the world around me. I'm terrified, or I got anxiety, or I'm stressed out, or I'm angry, or I'm really happy, I'm joyful. All these emotions that we experience, this is material of your inner world. This is what goes on inside you. And then you have another material that we're gonna call thoughts. And thoughts and, thoughts and emotions, they just seem to be really good friends. When you experience something, you have a thought. And the thought is, I am mad right now. And they agree with each other. They just go back and forth and they make a contract together. We're gonna continue to be angry. We're gonna continue to be mad. And it's this very fascinating journey and little conversation that happened with your thoughts and your emotions. But these are material of your inner world. And then the other material is your will. It's your desires. And these three materials, they work together. They are symbiotic. They begin to communicate to each other. And this is the inner world that I'm talking about. But it's fascinating. We talk about character. Character is an interesting word. And I want to elevate it today in our heads and our heart today. That character is a fascinating word for a couple of reasons. One is we love to talk about it. We want to see more of it, but we're often not willing to get it. We love when someone else has character, but oftentimes we aren't willing to pay the price to get character. According to the Botanica Dictionary, the definition of character is the way someone thinks, feels, behaves, is someone's personality. So I want to propose today that your, the origin of your character is the result of your inner world. What goes on here and what you do with that produces character. You see, your inner world is where your character lives. It's in here the real you lives. And oftentimes we're so good at covering it up and only letting the good parts come out, but the real Eric lives inside here, deep inside here. Have you ever talked to someone and you just have a normal conversation around, you pick the topic, and you walk away, man, that person is just a person of character. They have so much integrity, but yet the conversation never touched on lying or telling the truth. You just had an experience with someone. What is that? Their inner world is designed in such a way that one of the greatness that came out of them was a man or a woman of integrity. So let's ask the question, how do you get to that place? Because you can talk about integrity all day long. You can memorize the definition. In fact, you can memorize every scripture in the Bible about integrity, but it doesn't mean you actually have it. So how do you move from integrity from an idea to where it's actually you? I have a slide just to give you a simple layout of the really simple understanding of, of how an idea of character, integrity, honesty, faithfulness, commitment, all these beautiful aspects of character, how do they go from just an idea to a theory and they become the reality? You pick an attribute. I want to challenge men and fathers today. What's an attribute in your life that you want to grow in? What do you want to create? Do you know that you can actually create 
characters and stories. So why can't you create the character in you? So pick an attribute. This is your reference point. So let's say it's humility. Humility is a really fun one for men. It's a fun one for humanity, but for men, it's just a really good one to pick. Let's pick humility. I can memorize humility. I can act humble. I can, everything out of my mouth can sound humble, but at the end of the day, am I lying to myself or is this really me? So this is your reference point. And we always pray, God, I ask that you would do this. Teach me patience in my life. The thing with patience, it's not impartable. I've had people come up and say, will you pray that I have more patience? I said, no. <laughs> I ask that a pointless prayer. I can't pray for you to just get humble all of a sudden. I can't pray that you would learn faithfulness in a prayer. Paul even says, I wish I could impart to you this stuff, but it's not going to happen. You see, when you want to grow in character in life, what you're asking for is test to see if it exists. So be careful what you're actually praying for. So if you're asking for patience, guess what? God has no problem teaching you patience. He's going to put you in situations. He's going to allow situations to come your way to see how much patience you actually have. And some of you find you have none. And some of you find I'm good for a couple weeks, but after that 14 day mark, I lose it all. So situation to see if it exists in you. Are you guys with me today? So I want to challenge you, if there's character areas and attributes in your life that you want to grow in, pick one and go to your knees and say, God, I want to grow in this one. Teach me to love. Teach me to love when I'm not getting anything back. Teach me to love people that hate me. Teach people... Teach me to love someone that always has an agenda against me. Guess what? You're now going to be exposed to those kinds of situations to test to see if it's real. So memorizing definition, having all the verses down is beautiful, but it doesn't mean you actually have that character in you. So test it. The third area is sustained. When you can sustain this, over periods of time, then it becomes a part of you. It is no longer something out here. It is no longer something just living up here. It's actually something that's a part of your DNA. The ability to move through these three stages is actually what develops character. So I know there's men in here and fathers in here are asking God to grow you. I have conversations with you. I need to grow in these areas. But yet when we come into the very situation that's meant to grow that, we bail. We don't like the emotions that come along with pain, discomfort. We're afraid of getting rejected. We're all these fears that are actually shaping our lack, not allowing our character to be developed. So men, fathers in here, go through these three stages. Let these three stages go through your life frequently and design your world around who you actually want to be. Do you want to be men of your word? 
Do you want to be a man full of integrity? Do you want to be a father that laid down your life for your children? What do you want to be? You cannot learn patience without situations that test us on every level. You cannot learn the fullness of love without situations to force you to question your love. You cannot learn integrity without opportunities to be truthful and transparent. I'm gonna ask for all the men and fathers to stand. Young men, if you're a boy of any way, stand. I wanna read something to you and this is, this is, this is a commitment that I want us to make as men, as fathers. Because I believe this singular issue of fatherlessness in our culture and society, if we address it, we will create a new culture. We will see so many things in society change. That we will be men who have the ability to feel deeply and be full of resolve all at the same time. To be a man who is disciplined, focused, and live with deep convictions that our inner world would be formed and shaped by God and Jesus would be the foundation on which we build our lives. We continue to grow in our love for our families, for our friends, and the world around us. We are fathers who make deliberate choices. We are fathers who are intentional and when necessary, we make hard choices. We put courage into people. We are designed to bring covering, strength, and stability to those around us. We will own our stuff, and we will grow in being honest with ourselves and others. We will speak truth. We will do things without anyone knowing. We will fight for our children, our family, and our friends. We will be men that are quick to apologize and quick to forgive. We will be men that are quick to take the hits and quick to stand back up. We will be men that God designed us to be. So men and fathers, I wanna call you to another level of what it means to be a man and to be a father. And for the women in this room, one of the greatest privileges you have is to celebrate and champion the men that you're standing next to. Come on. Women, I want to call you to another dimension of what it means to be a woman. And that is to champion the men in your life. To give incredible respect and belief and support to the men in your life or to the men across the room. Because right now, culture is working so hard to bring division between the two. And one of the smartest things we can do as a community that says yes to Jesus is to rally together and to bring strength to each other. So even though it's Father's Day, this won't affect all of us. Thanks for listening to today's talk. If you're interested in learning more about Studio here in Greenville, you can go check out our website, studiogreenville.com, and you can give us a follow on Instagram. Our handle is studio.greenville. Have a great week.